I'm Paul Higgins, an ex-corporate executive turned business owner who for five years struggled to grow a cloud consulting business whilst battling a chronic disease. With the help of mentors and experts, I got the business model right, built a sales and marketing engine and developed a high-performing team that ended in a successful exit. I received a kidney transplant from a mate and now on my second life, I dedicate my time to helping other cloud consultants scale quickly with less effort to enjoy life. Detecting an accent, I'm an Aussie working globally from Melbourne, Australia. I interview successful cloud consultants sharing their scaling stories to give you inspiration and practical tips. I have dedicated experts for cloud consultants on the show to save you time and money by working with the right people. If you want to scale quickly with less effort to enjoy life, you're in the right place. Let's get started. I'm Paul Higgins and welcome to the Cloud Consultant Show, episode number 475. Today's topic is maximizing the potential of data in the cloud, insights for cloud consultants. And you're going to learn three key things. One is what data key stakeholders are looking for and how they're using it how you as a cloud consultant can partner with someone like our guest today to provide that data. And thirdly, how AI and machine learning can be leveraged having the right data, i.e. wrong data, you can't really fully leverage those services. If it's your first time, welcome. And if you love what you hear, please subscribe. It's for you as a cloud consultant, consulting and deploying a SaaS platform. And if you're a regular, thanks for being a regular. But why don't you let me know you're a regular? Because it's hard to know otherwise. Send me an email at paul at paulhigginsmentoring.com. And also tell me what topics you'd love me to cover. Uh, summary will be in the show notes and the platform you're listening to. And you can get the full transcript at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast. Before we go into the interview with Aaron, I'd like to thank our sponsors. The first is the Cloud Consultants Collective, the world's only revenue-focused collective for cloud consultants. It's peers answering business questions for other peers. It's faster than Google and YouTube. Why don't you try it out for yourself. Go to the cloudconsultantscollective.com to join free today. And the next is Workflow Academy. Are your top performers feeling overwhelmed by their workload? Do you worry about their performance and will it suffer or even worse, they're going to leave your company? We have an innovative solution that we can help you. We partnered with a company called Workflow Academy to provide you with highly trained junior talent who can support your top performers and ensure your team stays on track. To learn more about this game-changing solution, just go to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash WFA today. Let us help you support your top talent and achieve your business goals. So our guest today is Aaron Clymer, and he's the founder and CEO of Data Clymer, a data generation and analytics consulting firm that empowers every client's success by unlocking the value of data. The Data Climate team implements modern cloud data solutions that drive positive results through data, accessibility, and actionable insights. Aaron previously established and built a product intelligence team at Salesforce for seven years, which he covers in here, and also he supported over 400 product managers. He also then went on to look at uh, Pop Sugar, where he's team democratized data and supported the analytical data science across the company. Aaron has grown Data Climber over the last six years into a nationwide team of deeply experienced cloud data professionals. So now what I'll do is hand you over to Aaron Climber from dataclimber.com. Great to have you here, Aaron. Hey, Paul. Great to be here. Thanks for taking the time to talk. Yeah, yeah. Really looking forward to this because, you know, we we have a lot of people on that 
help cloud consultants and uh, a lot of them are sort of focusing on their core business. And I'm not saying that this isn't for them, but I do think this is a great revenue stream of what you do and, uh, and people, you know, data, as you know, is uh, like water these days. It's, you know, it's the, the most important thing within a business. And sometimes it's very hard to organize and very hard to find at the right time. So um, I think it's, you know, perfect to have you on. But why don't we kick off with who your ideal clients are and what problems you love to solve for? Yeah, you already kind of explained the problems, actually. So the problem we're solving is that rapid ability to do rapid analytics to answer your business questions in a quick manner to have the speed of business, right? So you can always be on top of your strategy, be optimizing anything from cost to revenue, anything in your, in your company, actually. And so being able to do that with data quickly is the goal. We do that by helping clients implement cloud, modern cloud data warehousing systems, modern cloud data systems. So what that means is um, fully cloud, of course, but a, it's a central analytical system where you have a 360 degree view of your company with all the data that comes in from all the various systems you use to run your company. And it ends up being the only place where you actually get the full view of, of everything that's going on. Yeah, yeah, great. And I know that you spent a little bit of time at Salesforce, and I mentioned that sort of in the introduction, but tell us a little bit of what you did when you were at Salesforce. Yeah, so I, I joined Salesforce back in uh, 2008 or so, and um, back then they were the largest cloud company in the world. They're still definitely rivaling uh, the largest cloud companies in the world. And uh, I knew that they were um, sitting on every piece of usage data from the platform, right? They had every click. They knew what everybody was doing. And my goal was to maximize the value of that data for Salesforce. So I came in, uh, we, there really wasn't a data team when I came in there. There was a small data warehousing team, but nothing was very organized. And the, the, especially the product people, but also marketing, sales, customer success, nobody was really using the data. So I built a data team and built up an, an entire data set of all of that usage data so that everybody in the company could really leverage that and use it for um, you know, great uh, success. An example would be like the customer success team. We built a um, customer early warning system that would uh, notify them of customers that needed some help, right? That weren't using the product well, having some struggles. So let's get ahead of that. Let's reduce attrition. Let's make sure people are successful with Salesforce. When I left uh, eight years later, I was servicing about 450 product managers with all of their usage data about how they can improve their product, whatever piece of the Salesforce solution and ecosystem they owned. So it was a wonderful place to be. I loved the journey. I loved building a team. I loved building a methodology around data. The idea was to really democratize data across the organization and show people how they could actually use it, right? So we had actionable metrics. We had actionable data at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. And did you get to spend any time, I'll call it, in the field, like with Salesforce partners themselves? So actually, no, I did not as much because I was mostly working on internal data sets. And so just very little of that. I mean, definitely was uh, paying attention to a lot of the partners at the time. Um, but my role was really more internal facing. So I didn't have that opportunity. Yeah, great. Well, now you've uh, jumped ship. You know, you've uh, left the, the safety of, uh, you know, one of the best companies in the world, Salesforce. And now, and I know you've had a couple of other roles, but now you're running your own business. You know, let's quickly touch on that. Like, what's it like to leave the parachute behind and, uh, and run your own business? Yeah, it was definitely, um, uh, anxiety provoking at first, but I'm very glad I made that decision and I love what I'm doing today. I really wanted to become a true expert at the modern data stack and data warehousing and data solutions specifically. After about a decade doing that at Salesforce and other places, I realized I'd only seen a handful of data sets, essentially a handful of 
business challenges with data. And I wanted to see 50 or 100 of these. And I can only do that as a consultant. So I started a consulting firm with the, the, the goal of, again, helping companies you know, organize their data and be able to action on it quickly um, in a self-service way. So what that means in practicality is that I hire a lot of data engineers and we're a full stack data engineering group that mostly does solution architecture, helps with strategy at first, but a lot of the work is implementation, best practices around data modeling and data warehousing, if you will. That's still a, a lot of an, it's kind of an art. And, you know, it really, really depends um, case by case with clients about what data they're interested in, what are the big use cases they're trying to solve for, and focusing on that and making sure that they get the value out of that. Yeah, and look, before we sort of kicked off, you, you were talking about some of the, the verticals that you're in from an end client point of view. You just want to give us a quick snapshot of, of those? Yeah, we're in quite a variety. And, and it's really a struggle for us in terms of coming up with verticals we really uh, go deep on because you know what we do below the covers is quite transferable industry to industry. You know, We're bringing in data from a lot of different sources. That's a lot of data engineering work that is very similar across the board modeling data again that's somewhat similar you know usually there's a customer 360 kind of model data model again regardless of industry i mean whether you're in banking or you're in professional sports same pattern under the covers right but we do focus on those two so that was two of them we're in professional sports a lot of national major league sports teams in the us uh, nfl mlb nhl uh, this is football hockey you know baseball all sorts of teams like that we're working with the leagues themselves we work with uh, some collegial teams, with college teams and uh, leagues like that. The Big Ten is one of them. Uh, it's, a, it's a big um, conference of sp- uh, college sports. So we do a lot of that. At the same time, a lot of fintech, health tech, and uh, e-commerce as well. So lots of different you know, areas that we specialize in. Yeah, brilliant. And, and, you know, suppose you as a partner, you might be a, a Salesforce partner or you might be another partner across another platform. But I suppose, you know, the reason that I got Aaron on is to talk about maybe an opportunity to grow more revenue and, you know, by having uh, d- data services. And, and, and a lot of this you can't do by yourself, right? So, you know, yes, yeah, some of you will build in-house practice and I get that, but the majority of you are at a size where you'll need to bring in an expert to help you. And that's why we uh, brought Aaron on to sort of talk about that. Because, you know, if you think about it, you often will own the customer relationship. You'll know the client better than anybody. And uh, then Aaron can come in and support you in that way. And and just, um, I don't know if you've got any examples, Aaron, where you work with a partner to make that happen, to bring that to reality. Yeah, I could talk about that. Absolutely. And maybe we could focus just on Salesforce as an example. Salesforce is the number one CRM that we and we are helping our clients with in terms of their data. And also, a lot of the times, some of the analytics and what we would call reverse ETL or getting data back from a data warehouse back into a system like Salesforce. So we do a lot of Salesforce two-way integrations between a data warehouse and Salesforce. And so that's absolutely a use case that will come up and I almost guarantee any of your clients, you know, that you're working with, if you're working with them on a Salesforce implementation. And the reason is just to be very clear and, and um, succinct about that is that Salesforce, like any other tool a company is working with, is almost never going to have the full customer 360 or product 360 or, you know, all the data around whatever it is you're interested in at your company in that one tool. It's going to have a lot of it, perhaps, you know, Salesforce will obviously have a lot with your uh, prospects and your customers. But even if you go back to my job at sale, when I was at Salesforce, you know, of course, Salesforce was using our own instance of Salesforce with our customers. 
But the product usage data was not in Salesforce, right? That was in a data warehouse and we would surface that back up through Salesforce. But a lot of the data was, you know, elsewhere. The other thing you can do with a tool like Salesforce is you can embed analytical UIs in there. So your BI tool or whatever you're using as a central analytical tool, you could embed that in Salesforce. So, you know, sales reps can just stay in Salesforce. But under the covers, you have two or three systems, right? And, And a data warehouse is really the central place that you're surfacing all this data from. So anyway, yes, the nutshell is that any company, you know, any reasonable size, even small companies of, you know, 20, 30, 50 people require a data warehouse. And so you're going to end up um, needing to, they're, they're going to end up needing data and analytics and business intelligence in a central source of truth like that. Yeah. yeah. And then how does it typically work? Is the Salesforce partner basically bringing you as an equal partner? Or, you know, like, yeah, talk us through, you know, typically how, how it works. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for reminding me of that. Yeah, it's, it's a variety of ways. We work with a lot of um, partners in a lot of different ways, but usually to start out with, um, you know, it's more just um, a partnership where we both will just service the client. So, you know, if you're a Salesforce consultancy, you're doing all the Salesforce work, we're working side by side with you. They often will just um, refer us through the client, you know, refer the client to us. We'll sign our own contract. We work side by side. If that goes well for many, many clients, you know, then there's all sorts of possibilities of um, either uh, white labeling us with, you know, your service uh, or vice versa. We figure that out. So we've worked in a variety of different manners there. Yeah. And, and, and like if you're a Salesforce partner at the moment, you're listening to Aaron, you're thinking like, Aaron, what am I looking for? Like, I know it seems nearly too obvious because the problems sometimes are, you know, right in your face, but you know, what, what are the signs when a, CIO or, or someone like that is is ready to make a, a decision to move versus you know he's got a problem but you know the problems uh, you know is is not in his top three. Hey, it goes back to the, the problem we were talking about at the beginning when the CIO is frustrated because they can't get the data they need to make a decision on a daily or weekly basis. Right, they've got some critical strategic decision to make about you know anything sales strategy, marketing strategy, or customer health, whatever it is. And they're just frustrated because they feel like they can't make a data-driven decision. And why is that? It's because not all their data is in Salesforce. And so they have a piece of the puzzle there, but they're not able to quickly just get it all together without having somebody on their team spend a week in Excel to actually gather the data and do the analysis, right? So we need, they want to be able to do that in a day or two, or maybe even an hour and not a week or two. It's, it's too long. When it's that long, you end up only answering a few of your top questions. You, there's a lot of questions you never even answer because you don't have time. Yeah, yeah. And and what's the buying cycle typically? You know, is there these short cycles to sell the solution into that problem? Like long cycles? You know, give us a bit of a perspective on that. Yeah, and that's kind of the beauty if we for going in with a partner who's already um, on top of like a Salesforce implementation, already understands the data, already understands a lot of the use cases. They can actually help really um, quickly put together what the needed solution is, especially the business case that we're looking to solve. And so those, those can go pretty quick, even under a month, um, you know, sort of sales cycle time. Our sales cycle times are usually one to two months anyway. But if we have a partner coming in helping quickly um, identifying the problem, you know, we can come in and, and develop the solution very rapidly and work together to uh, implement the full solution for the client. And, and what are some of the biggest objections that you normally see? Um, biggest objections might be just not understanding. Yeah, maybe, maybe what it is is sometimes uh, the cost because these, these systems, although they're 
so much cheaper than they were 10 years ago. I mean, like 10, 10 times you know, cheaper kind of thing. And they require so much fewer people to maintain and manage and develop off of. But if the cost is, uh, if you're thinking about the cost as one specific use case, then yeah, it feels like it doesn't make sense. But the, what we have to educate clients on is that this is not a single use case solution that the system that we're providing is going to be able to be applicable to any business case you have across the board enterprise wide. And so it's a wonderful framework and baseline to start with to then build off you know, all sorts of other projects on top of. Yeah. And is there any particular function? If I go back to my old school, you know, I didn't use a Coca-Cola. We generally aligned by functions more than anything. Is there any particular functions that you're seeing that, uh, you know, have a greater need than others at the moment? Boy, I think no. I mean, all, all functions have such a great need, but we end up having a lot of, we're seeing a lot of great results in marketing, sales, and then uh, product as well. But marketing and sales is a big piece of a lot of what we do for our clients, whether it's a, a major league sports team. For them, we're often helping them with fan activation in a marketing context. We're building a customer 360 with a um, deduped sort of golden record of a fan which is the same thing as saying a golden record of your customer, you know, whoever, whatever organization you are. So you have a clean view of your customer. You can imagine the effectiveness of your marketing and sales goes way up. So that's, that's a big use case right there. Yeah, great. And, and have you got an example, say, in a fintech where you've worked with a Salesforce partner, what was a you know, quick synopsis of what was the, the problem they were looking to solve and, you know, what did you do and what was the result? Yeah, you know, a lot of compliance use cases there, actually. So just being able to, get all their transactional data. So not necessarily, you know, marrying it with Salesforce, but the main data sets are often a lot of the transactions and a long history of transactions, which are very high volume. That's what data warehouses are great for. They scan billions of rows quickly and give you an answer. So there's a lot of compliance use cases actually where they need to be able to quickly answer auditors' questions and make sure they're in compliance in all, you know, a zillion different ways because it's such a managed um, industry. So that's one of the primary use cases we've seen there. Yeah, great. And um, where does you know machine learning sort of fall across this field? Like, you know, we're all using, well, I'm assuming you're using chat GPT at the moment. I know um, I certainly am for, you know, everything I write, I sort of get it to Im- improve. But, you know, from a, a scale perspective, where does machine learning cut across, you know, the data warehouse and, and the role that you play? You know, what it's actually been true for over a decade, maybe two, and it's still true today, is that you, you know, as a company, you can't really take advantage of a lot of that technology. You can't do it for your own services, your own products, your own customers, until you have a clean, trusted data set on which to build these models and have AI learn about your business. So it always starts with a data warehouse with a clean data model. And that's still today, like the fundamental, that's step one in a data journey. You can't just dive into AI or, or data science directly. So there's, it's never a, just a flip the switch and it works. We use it a little bit. I mean, I don't think that uh, AI is going to be going deep into the data warehousing world in terms of what we do in the engineering piece of it. Yes, they can generate code, but it's not generating anywhere near the kind of code that you need to actually do the data warehouse piece of it really well. We use it to help us with, you know, some code syntax and things like that. It's great, right? But it's not designing a data model for you. It's that we're still a long way off from that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, great. And as far as, like you said, the cost has significantly come down. Like if you fast forward five years, like is it going to continue to be on a, you know, is it a a linear curve or do you think that it'll substantially uh, change in the next, you know, five to 10 years? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I mean, I think it's become more linear. It was very much, I mean, if you, if you go back to even my Salesforce days, you know, we had, it would take 10 people, to, you know, including data engineers and some DBAs, database administrators to manage a data warehouse. Whereas today, that same data warehouse probably take two people to manage. So you're coming down in terms of personnel costs by, you know, almost 5x, maybe even 10x. The technology costs have come down about the same. It's amazing. It's, it's, uh, about 5x, you know, called more cost effective in general for the tech. And the beautiful thing is for that much reduced cost, you have this huge increase in innovation and features and functionality. And, um, and they've gotten rid of all of the headache, the sort of technical headaches we used to have in terms of maintaining a system in the cloud. Everything scales indefinitely, you know, all the technical headaches have kind of gone away and you can really focus on just on your business logic and your business problems. That's what I love about it. So I talk a lot about how companies can, um, or anybody in a company can become a data hero. And what I mean by that is that the technology has come so far that you actually don't even need to be very technical at all to be a data hero at a company because the, the tools sort of solve the technical aspect for you. You know, I can show you a tool. You can know nothing about databases, about SQL, which is the language of databases and data warehouses. I can give you a tool that allow you to look at all your data, explore it ad hoc, and find unlimited insights, you know, and really drive home the value of data and then spread that across your whole company because the tooling is so amazing now. And again, yeah. cost effective, right? Really easy to, to, to democratize all that data. Yeah, and if I remember back to my sort of uh, Coca-Cola days, it was like, you know, there was the standard reporting, then there was people that really knew how to customize it, right? And, um, and we all had uh, data analysts or business, you know, BIs, attached to the key stakeholders. So that was great. You know, is that still the case? Or now is the key person should have the competency or the capability to actually do some, some of the data mining themselves? Like, how does that sort of sit within corporate today? Yeah, it's absolutely the latter now. Anybody in your company should be able to explore data ad hoc and, you know, just see the raw data too. And when I say raw, I shouldn't say raw data. That's not the right term low grain detailed data because raw data is never good to look at. <laughs> That's why what we do is so important. We come in and take raw data and make it business friendly and business ready. There's a very big difference, but it's still very detailed data. You know, every transaction, you know, details about every interaction with your prospect or your client. It's not rolled up. It's not aggregated. And the beauty of that is not only is it rich in information, but you can answer any question that you could possibly answer with data because it's all there. You don't lose information as you aggregate up and roll up data into summaries because you don't have to do that anymore. We used to have to summarize data to get the system to perform because it was, you know, the data was too large <laughs> in its low grain state. But now with the power of these modern data warehouses, you can keep the low grain data and then you keep all of the information. You can slice on, you know, a zillion different dimensions and look at it all day long. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. And and just uh, on the cost of energy, right? So the cost of energy is skyrocketing at the moment. We're in 2023. You know, the war with Ukraine and Russia, unfortunately, continues. You know, is that putting cost impost on a warehousing all this data? Like, are you seeing it flow down that far? Or like you said, some of the other um, synergies and, and other uh, benefits are sort of outweighing that? Yeah, that's a good question. I haven't really seen that much in terms of the overall cost of these systems. Um, but what I, what I, uh, have really seen over the past even five years is the total cost of ownership has dramatically plunged. And, and that's not necessarily the tech costs as much as again, the overall cost of maintaining and operating and running and building a system like this. 
increase. And then the fact that you, the value you get from a hundred people looking at data versus the three analysts that you have, you know, the, the value there is huge. So the total cost of ownership has come way down and then the value has really gone quite a bit higher. So the ROI is absolutely there. Yeah, great. And uh, so, you know, if you're a Salesforce partner, you're listening to Aaron and you're thinking, this sounds great, but I'm not quite sure where to start, right? So for you, Aaron, when people, Salesforce partners first approach you, you know, how do they typically do that and how does it normally work? Yeah, uh, I think it's just a, a short conversation about, you know, again, what are the business challenges that we're trying to solve for here? And working with us, we have solution architects, you know, we have um, lots of folks who will can quickly understand uh, both the technical and the business side. So, you know, can quickly work through what the customer needs. And then it's just a, a, you know, again, a full solution, integrating everything that you're doing with your platforms and then everything we would do to augment that and putting that together as a bigger plan. Yeah. And and just your scope. So is it, you know, more the warehousing or do you also cover some of the reporting aspects or do you use other partners that cover more of the reporting aspects? Yeah, we're full stack business intelligence and data and analytics, if you will. So we can absolutely work with a cloud business intelligence tool, what we're usually working with at a client. And this is something that they're going to centralize the whole company on. So again, I, the way I would say it is that, especially for a larger company, you do want one tool that every single person in the company only has to learn kind of one tool, no matter whether you're in sales or PR or uh, engineering or product, you know, you're all in the same tool. So it's a lot easier to share data and under- and learn from each other on how to explore data. If you're in sales and you're in Salesforce, again, you might embed that BI tool in Salesforce, but they're still looking at the same user interface, essentially, that other people are looking at to answer their sales specific questions. So yeah, we can do all of that. And we can work with a partner to help um, figure out how to both how to basically integrate whatever data needs to be integrated back into the system like Salesforce. Because there's lots of ways to do it. There's embedding, which I was just was referring to, where you embed a BI tool. But you also might want to pipe data directly into Salesforce, right, through their API. And so we can help do that. And often our partners are defining, again, I'll use Salesforce for an example. Our partners are defining, you know, the custom objects, the custom fields, all of that stuff, you know, the whole object model in Salesforce. And again, the, the business process and, you know, on and on and on. What is the solution in Salesforce? What is all the data that solution needs from the warehouse? And, you know, giving us those requirements, right? Here are the 50 different fields we need on these different objects. Yes. Um, and we want it updated every 15 minutes. So we'll take that and we'll build the, uh, what we'll call reverse ETL in this case. We'll build the data pipeline that pushes the data from the warehouse back into there with quality checks, making sure it's trusted, all of that. That's a good example of how we work with the partner directly. We're doing the warehousing and the business and the reporting and dashboarding side as well. Right. And I know we've spoken predominantly about Salesforce, but there are other platforms, SaaS platforms that you support. I know you've mentioned HubSpot. Are there others that you're working with at the moment? Oh, yeah. HubSpot, Marketo. I mean, there's there's a list of about 50 different platforms we've worked in uh, across the board. Absolutely. And we, we often will build these integrations both ways between these products. So there's a long list. Yeah. yeah. Almost every popular platform we've, we've definitely touched. Yeah. Fantastic. So no matter who you're supporting as you listen, there will be a, an opportunity to bring Aaron in and just reminding that we're listening to Aaron Clymer and it's C-L-Y-M-E-R and it's episode 475 of the Cloud Consultant Show. So what we're going to do now, Aaron, is just go into the rapid fire at the end. So are you ready for that? Yeah. Let's do it. So the first thing is what are some daily habits that you do to help scale your business, Data Climber? 
Yeah, good question. I, you know, my role now, uh, we're almost a 50 person uh, organization and my role has really become the, uh, the longer term strategy and you know, working on the business instead of in the business. And so I'm really focused on uh, long term strategy, getting customer feedback on our services and our products, doing thought leadership and market research. So I really have to just calendar my day. I make sure I put that on my calendar. I've got, you know, five or six priorities this week. I want to make sure I get a good, whatever that is, 10, 15 hours, you know, on my calendar blocked off. I need, you know, a good hour or two to focus, which is really hard when you're trying to run a company, you know, you find those chunks of time. So I literally think just calendaring it, you know, is is one of the biggest tips that I have for just getting it done and making a daily habit of it. Yeah, great. And where do you go to find more information about scaling your business? Yeah, so that's a, it's interesting. I've, um, up until recently, I was um, just kind of pulling at straws for that. You know, I was uh, just learning as I go. I was uh, getting feedback from some peers that I'd found, advisors, and even, of course, the, a lot of the, the, the folks I had hired. But more recently, I, I found a, a mastermind group that I've um, really come to look at as a, a guiding hand in what I'm doing. It's called the Collective 54. It's for um, professional services companies that are boutique. Uh, so that's defined as 10 to 250 employees. So that's, I'm right in that sweet spot. And they help, they help companies grow, scale, and exit. And we're in the scale phase where we're, we're scaling out. So I'm learning a lot from my peers in that, in that organization. But I think that whatever your company is and whatever stage you're at, I think finding peers is, is the best way to go. That's where you're going to get the best information because they're all going through this very similar experience. Yeah, spot on, spot on. That's why you know, we have the Cloud Consultants Collective for that. Very reason. The next one is uh, grant your wish. What's one wish that we could give for Data Climber? One wish. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I, I, that's an interesting one. I, I, two ways I'd answer that. One is um, just the wish that uh, data could even be easier. You know, data is still hard despite all of the technology and all of the solutions we've talked about, and it's, it's still difficult. You know, d- data is difficult, and I think. One of the biggest reasons that is, is it's hard in an organization to to have true data governance and find ownership. You know who really owns data and who owns data quality, and you know that's why I kind of mentioned that raw data is something you don't want to look at because raw data is really difficult to use. Often because it could be low quality, it's hard to interpret. There's mistakes in there, there's issues. So on and on and on. So I guess I, I would wish that more companies would think of data as a first class citizen. You know, as a valuable asset. An asset that needs to be, you know, curated and and um, invested in. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, certainly from my Coca-Cola background, like even now, my team sometimes I think get frustrated because I'm like, no, this information our sales CRM has to be accurate, right? Because it's just drained into me. Because you know, crazy things like you know, just even the way that you call a street name and or like. There's so many instances where like at an entry level, it seems like oh, it doesn't make a big difference. But when you aggregate the data, as you know, it, uh, it can make a significant difference. So totally agree. And the last question is, um, what do you know now about running Data Climber that you wish you had known earlier? I think um, knowing more about how to build and grow a sales and marketing team, actually. I mean, we, we, I, we've done that and I'm really happy we've done that. I wish we had done that even earlier on in our growth because it's, it's something that you want to take a lot of time and effort and, and you know, and curate um, over the years and learn from as you go. So maybe that would be it. But I am, I am glad that I'm not in a position. I know a lot of my peers are in positions where they, they have not really built out maybe a leadership team. And so they're doing it all themselves and they're the bottleneck and they're stuck. You know, that's, 
that is something that I'm I'm glad I've not um, been a big bottleneck at our growth. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, well done. Well, uh, like it's been fantastic having you on, Aaron. If you're a Salesforce or one of the fifty partners that Aaron mentioned, and you see the opportunity where you know you might know that you've got certain data in the in the implementation that you're doing, but it's not the universe, as Aaron said, and you want to help make it easy for your clients to make those fact-based decisions. Well, I'll reach out to Aaron. We'll have all the links in the show notes, Aaron. But Aaron, uh, thanks a lot for coming on today. Oh, yeah. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. That was a great interview with Aaron. It was really just to highlight to you the importance of data, which you probably know anyway, but more importantly, put a resource in front of you that you can get help with so that you can solve that end client uh, opportunity. And um, if you really enjoyed what Aaron had to say, please share it, uh, take a photo of the the show notes or take a photo of the podcast and uh, share it with him, tell him what you'd liked about the interview. Also, if you've got, you know, one or 10 peers that you think would get huge value out of this, if you know that they're looking for an opportunity like this, uh, just share it with them. They'll think you're an absolute rock star. Don't forget to check out our solo shows. And if you're scaling your cloud consulting business and want to know a blueprint, right, to find out if you've got all the right elements in place to scale, just go to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash blue sheet and get your a blueprint, I should say. So it's paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash blueprint to get your free copy today. Please take action to scale quickly with less effort to enjoy life more. Learning is just one piece of the puzzle. It is now time for action. Head to today's show page at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast. Get the links and put it into action. Head to your favorite podcast platform, subscribe, rate, and review the show. Suggest topics for me to cover at paul at paulhigginsmentoring.com. And don't wait one more minute to gain access to content, especially for you, a cloud consultant, at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash newsletter. This could be the difference between wasting time figuring it out yourself or scaling quickly with less effort to enjoy life. <laughs>